Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Jennifer sandoval Dance, who is the Associate Vice President for Admissions and Financial Aid at Claremont McKenna College. Jennifer, how are you today? And thank you so much for being here with us. I am wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. It is our absolute pleasure. So let's get right to it. Jennifer, what is it about Claremont McKenna that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Sure. So I would say three primary things. I'll start with Claremont McKenna College being a liberal arts college. I describe us as we are comprehensive, though not traditional. And what I mean by that is a student can come with a wide range of academic interests and being at that front edge of the intellectual exploration process, they do not need to know what they want to major in. They'll find a healthy palette of academic offerings across the humanities, social sciences, and physical and life sciences at Claremont McKenna. But we're not a traditional liberal arts college in that we have a chiseled out and carved out singular mission. And I believe for prospective students, that mission helps them in their college search in really understanding who CMC is. I think as part of the college search, many colleges and universities start to sound similar because in many ways, a lot of what we do is similar. The cornerstones of what we're doing, and there's going to be a lot of you know, similarities across that. So at Claremont McKenna, our mission is to prepare young people for thoughtful and productive lives and to prepare them for responsible leadership in the areas of business, government, and the professions. And so for a prospective student sitting there saying, you know, I know that I like to solve problems. I know that I, I live to learn to lead. A lot of my curiosity comes from that. They're going to get 
that an institution that was completely designed to foster that, that intellectual inquiry, but that intellectual inquiry to take you to a place where you're solving problems and you're leading in complex systems. We have a pre-professional culture to us, which many liberal arts colleges will not necessarily directly espouse. We state it clearly in our mission. It's responsible leadership for business, government, and the professions. And for many students, you know, they look at that and think that I, I know I want to go into one of those areas and I know leadership is, is an area and space and place that I want to be in. And the other element of CMC that's really important to understand is the the, in preparing students for responsible leadership, we believe strongly in a principle we espouse as open academy. So this is a concept and practice of ensuring that we create a space and place where there is open free exchange of ideas and civil discourse. So we are inviting everyone to speak their perspective and their viewpoint and also inviting each other to challenge one another on that and to do that in a thoughtful, respectful way that inhabits in productive discourse. So those are spaces and places that I believe are, are unique. We have historic strengths in economics and government. And as I mentioned before, that doesn't limit our intellectual scope or a student's intellectual options as they pursue this journey. But where it does play out is that we believe strongly that public policy is an informative and understanding public policy, understanding what's happening in the world around us. I like to say to students, it's understanding the political and economic ramifications of the work that you're in, the spaces you're leading. And while we offer students a broader swath of majors, when we opened our doors, it was much more contained to the study of economics and government. That that intellectual spirit is still something that we foster and we have a wonderful speaker series called the Athenaeum where we bring a diverse set of speakers to come and talk with our students and the third thing I would say is we are a member of the Claremont Colleges so Claremont McKenna enrolls about 1400 total students from a variety of different places they may represent anywhere from 47 to all 50 states in some US territories and over 45 different countries and you know they come to a place like Claremont McKenna and many of them share values because our mission is so clear. But we are surrounded by four other wonderful liberal arts colleges that are all within one square mile of each other. So it allows a student to select to be part of an intimate learning and living experience, but to not limit themselves in that smaller size because we are surrounded by these four other colleges. Well, thank you so much for that tremendous overview, Jennifer. We really appreciate it, and I look forward to hearing even more about Claremont McKenna. What can you tell us about life on campus outside, of course, of the classroom? Sure. So Claremont McKenna is intensely residential, meaning that it's well over 90%, sometimes well over 90, many times well over 95% of our students who live in one of our residence halls in, in college-owned housing. So we have a very active and diverse and engaged campus community. There will be way more going on on any given day or in a week or in a month than any student could possibly absorb, which is exciting because if you're there, if you're want to come to college to experience a wide range of things, be exposed to things you have not before, you will definitely have that opportunity. The overwhelming part is really making sure you're directed on how you spend your space and time. So students are in the classroom, you know, for a portion of the time, certainly doing group projects, research with faculty. 
they are taking their meals and, and dining across the Claremont colleges and socializing with their peers, not just at Claremont McKenna, but at the other colleges. There will be athletic events. I mentioned the speaker series, the Athenaeum, where we bring a speaker to campus four times a week to come and talk with our students. So there are formal programs such as that. There will be social events aplenty, you know, in terms of for students to be able to stay engaged in extracurricular and social activities they've appreciated in the past, service opportunities. There are planned field trips for them to visit spaces, cultural centers, and places in the greater Los Angeles area to get them out and explore as well. So it's a place where whether a student lives 10 miles away or a thousand miles away, they are all living on that campus and they are there and an active part of the campus life. There are it is possible that there can be a club meeting at 10 p.m., so you definitely want to be there. A faculty member may choose to have a study session on Sunday at 9 a.m. So it is a place where things are happening all the time, and there is an expectation that everybody is thriving in that living and learning environment, engaged, there, present, and really taking advantage of everything we offer. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Well, we appreciate that as well, Jennifer. And of course, students usually spend at least four years in college. So visiting campus before committing to a school is so important for the students to get a feeling of the campus and of course the surrounding area. Taking tours and spending time on campus are things that can't easily be replicated online. So when a student comes to campus, Jennifer, what are the areas that they should visit and what are some questions they should be asking to help them determine whether or not a school is in fact the right fit for them or not? Sure. So, you know, I say this in the context that the protracted pandemic we live in and conditions may limit sometimes the opportunity to visit some of these spaces even in the future. But I recommend that, you know, it's great to the first stop shop, visit the admission office, make sure you, if you haven't gone on a campus tour, really that is about getting the lay of the land. You know, when you're visiting a big place, like for example, a place like New York City, sometimes getting an aerial view of the whole space and place. And I would say of a college campus and a place like Claremont McKenna, that's an important first step. And our campus tour does include an aerial view of the Claremont Colleges and the beautiful Kravis Center. We take all of our tours up to the fourth floor, and that really does give them the full scope of the Claremont Colleges and the city of Claremont, and of course, Claremont McKenna. So seeing that and seeing the space of the campus is a good starting point. Beyond that, and I would say in terms of as you know, your students are engaging with, whether it's a student tour guide, admission officers, or other community members they may talk to, really asking, you know, what, what is your favorite place on campus? What's your favorite thing about the campus? You know, what's the one thing that you would change? And these responses are helpful because it does give you a sense, first of all, how connected 
somebody is, right? If they're not able to really think quickly about where their favorite space is, maybe they're not spending a lot of time physically on the campus. And so really kind of getting a sense of things that should be pretty easy for them to, to answer. Spaces, I always find the dining hall is one of the best places to get a rich taste and temperature of the social life on campus. And when you're on a campus, really looking at who is in the dining hall. Are there just students? Do you have faculty? Do you have administrators? Is this really going to be a social hub versus is this primarily for students, which it's not necessarily a, a pro or con, but just kind of getting that sense of what that space actually serves. So at Claremont McKenna, the dining halls are definitely that that's social hub where we come together and break bread. <laughs> Other spaces, if you're able to sit in on a class or classes, being in that space, seeing how faculty are instructing, how they engage with students. And, you know, some students do, or Claremont McKenna has done overnights. We're still in the process of deciding whether or not that'll be an option this academic year. But even if spending the night in a residence hall, we're actually really able to see front and center what a student's evening looks like. Even just saying, can I go to dinner with a student? Uh, can I go to that athletic event with a student? So I would say, think about the spaces the students are spending the will most likely spend the most time in and try to get yourself into those spaces so you can see the interactions ask them questions about you know again a lot of it is thinking about and anchoring it based off what is most important to you as a college so if it is faculty access if it is you want to make sure you're living on campus and you have a, a campus where students are you know from all over the country or all over the world you know asking students what, what talk a little bit more about your peers and or what are the if it's a faculty member explain to me how you work with students on a regular basis so those are some of the some of the tips i'll provide well those are great pieces of advice visiting dining halls classes residence halls and of course meeting with students and professors and by the way i read a statistic that 95 percent of the freshman class actually returned which is an amazing piece of data and that's a testament to the great work that you do in admissions but also that Claremont McKenna does on campus to keep the students happy and engaged during their time there. So that leads me to my next question Jennifer. How many applications do you actually review a year? Do you represent a specific region? And by the way feel free to walk us through the process however you wish. Thank you so much. Sure. So I myself just to give context, I've been in the admission profession for over 20 years at Claremont McKenna. I'll, August 1, it'll be 17 years. So it definitely, over my course of time, have read thousands and thousands of applications. And I do believe I've read for every territory we have at Claremont McKenna. So where I'm at now, I actually have, <laughs> I have, which is great. It's a great place to be. I actually have one territory, and that is the state of Arizona. And it works very, very well in terms of my schedule for my ease to be able to spend time visiting. And it's a proper load in terms of files for me to review contingent on my other responsibilities. So that is my space. The college generally, though, is receiving over 6,000 applications, you know, sometimes closer to 6,500. So that's the total number of applications my entire team of admission officers will review. So I myself could review 100 to 150 depending on the year and the process. It's definitely one of my favorite parts. When you are in admission, 
as great as it is to go out and visit students and welcome them to our campus and be a part of prospective student and their family's journey in this precious point of their life, the heart of the process is the admission process. And it's important to frame it or pivot it as essentially what our admission officers are doing at Claremont McKenna is seeking students who will benefit from and contribute to our singular mission. And everything comes back to that. We are privileged that we have an applicant pool that is highly talented in every area, intellectually, personally. So they are, the vast majority stand to bring quite a bit to our campus. But really the, the question we are asking is, how will they benefit from and contribute to our admission? And also how will they help us build, how are they going to contribute to the overall class, right? 300, there are about 330 students in a first year class. And every, at Claremont McKenna, every single one of those students stands to make a huge impact on us and we on them. So we are always building that out. The process, Claremont McKenna engages in a team reading process and it, it makes it more dynamic and fun to be on with, to be reading with a partner. So for example, I, I oversee Arizona, I will collect all the Arizona applications and my partner, another admission officer will read with me and I will be reviewing as the territory manager of Arizona, I will be reviewing all the academic aspects of the file. So that includes looking at the school report that the counselor completes, if the counselor has uploaded in addition to the school report, a school profile, which may flesh out more about the school's profile and demographics and academic and co-curricular options. I will review the high school transcript and any other transcripts they may have if they did attend more than one school, summer school, college, course to college courses. So I will review that. I will also review the academic letters of recommendation and the counselor recommendation. So at Claremont McKenna, we currently require two. And if the student chooses to select scores, then I would review that as well. And all of that puts me in a position to evaluate their academics, their academic uh, potential and, and ability. My partner will evaluate the personal side. So that includes the application itself. I always describe the application and the vast majority of our applicants right now are submitting the Common App, but whether it's the Common App, Coalition, QuestBridge, most applications are asking the same thing, just sometimes in different spaces and places. So that is the frame of how we understand everything else. So we have the application and that's what my partner's reading. That gives us your demographic information. It you will move on to the courses you're taking your senior year. I always remind students it's important to list those courses on your application because not all high school transcripts will include that. So make sure that that is included. Students include award distinction. So as the admission officer is reading, they're picking this all up. They get to read the essay. And I know we'll talk about that in a bit more, but get a personal flair for the applicant and their style, personality, what they choose to share about themselves. Co-curricular, extracurricular activities. So this is really where we get a sense of as I like to say, in their free time, I know there's not a ton of free time when <laughs> they're in high school, but in their free time, basically when, when they have a choice, what are they choosing to do? How are they choosing to spend their time? And what mark have they made in those respective areas? So is the place and space better because of their presence there? And what is going to be their takeaway? And also how have they brought others along, right? So if they're editor of the newspaper or they've been instrumental in developing a debate team, have they trained others to make sure that when they leave and move on, this will continue to persist, right? So not, 
I always say it's thinking beyond their front nose and really understanding that their leadership and their accomplishments, while important, it's really their their, their footprint is going to be the impact beyond them. And that does mean collaborating and inspiring those younger than them to continue in that. So they'll look at that. And that part is a big part, right, as we're talking about it here. There are also two questions that we ask students to answer, the supplemental questions, college-specific questions. One is a really simple one. It's, why are you applying to Claremont McKenna? This is not a trick question. This is a, this is really meant for the student in their college search process. Certainly applying means you're interested, so we get that. But why are you interested? And the advice I give students on this one is think about something unique to Claremont McKenna. So an example of a response that may not be very helpful to us would be, I want to attend a liberal arts college in California, right? So that's not necessarily, that's going to be, that has a division three program. Maybe talking about the Athenaeum or a bit more about our leadership mission or something about CMC that they picked up on that is going to, at least one thing that'll be much more unique to us. The second question is about, we're, asked, we're trying to get a sense of what students' intellectual interests are at that time. So the question is, Claremont McKenna has a first-year seminar series. One is on writing and one is on the other is on humanities. So they take it their first year in opposite semesters. What class would you take and why? Because it's an extraordinary diverse range of courses that our faculty are offering. And they span a variety of different topics. So it really just is meant at that moment in time for the student to look at the list and pick the one that they would take and why would they take it. It's not the class they take if they actually come to CMC. They're not bound to that. They may pick a different response the next day. This is really just capturing that moment. So anyways, yes, that's the personal, that personal part. Also, the other thing that that my partner would be reviewing would be the interview if the student submitted one. We also have an optional video a student may submit. So if the student submitted that, they would review that. And they will also review the recommendation letters as well. Well, thank you so much for that insight and that overview. And I love the supplemental questions. Number one, why Claremont McKenna? And the second one, where they have to select a course that they would take and why. I think that's extremely unique. And again, we appreciate the insight and advice. What is the average profile, Jen, of the current freshman class? You know, it's difficult to describe the profile for Claremont McKenna because they are, we, we do not actually, when we're reviewing applications, we do not recalculate a student's grade point average. So really we're looking at the rigor of their curriculum relative to what the high school offers and their performance within that context of the high school. So. Our students are high achieving. They do tend to be pursuing advanced curricular options in their areas of strength consistently. So that is something we will see, that their curriculum does tend to be in that higher echelon of demanding in their school group. Their performance does definitely tend to be stellar. You know, it, it doesn't always translate to straight A's. That is not what you're gonna find every time, I think with the Claremont McKenna students, but they are close to that. And if they didn't get straight A's, usually it's because maybe they took on too much that semester, maybe something has transpired. There was a particular subject area that they really had to work much harder to get to. But so I would say academically, that's, that's the crux of it. In terms of for those who submit scores, and that are a part of the process, or I should say the, the matriculating class, you're asking for our profile. So, you know, the ACT will range, I think in the competitive range between 31 and 35. Of course, we have students that, that score perfect too. The SAT are, if you combine both the evidence-based reading, writing, and the math, uh, in 2017, that was a 1470. 
across both of those. So that helps give students a sense of the range there. We've seen scores go up a bit. Uh, you know, this last year, we're still verifying that data, but that's the general, I would say, academic profile. So students who are definitely pushing themselves in the class, they are eager to learn, they are engaging with the material. Many times they are learning above and beyond what the classroom is teaching them. So they're seeking out opportunities to expose themselves to different subjects, whether it's through reading, you know, uh, media, being engaged in media outlets, being engaged in policy, research work and science, if that's what they're interested in. But we do tend to see them pushing the boundaries of what their classroom space provides them. Collectively, again, that, that would just be student, what we're looking for are students who, you know, definitely are aligning with our mission and our values. Well, thank you so much for that insight and that overview, Jen. That's fabulous. We really appreciate it. Do you offer interviews, whether evaluative or informative, for students as part of, again, the overall application process? And what advice would you offer students who are preparing for their interview? Yes, so Claremont McKenna does offer interviews for prospective first year and transfer applicants. Anyone may interview. We do not have the human resources to interview all of our applicants, but it is an option that is open for all students. The interviews in Claremont McKenna's process are evaluative, and students register for them through going to our scheduling system. For rising seniors, we start interviewing them in May, and we'll interview them through early December. Perfect. Thank you so much. And what are the different ways a student may apply to Claremont McKenna? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? Yes. So Claremont McKenna has, for first-year students, two rounds of admission, early decision and regular decision. So we do not have early action. So early decision is a great option for students who have had a thorough college search process and have landed at one institution clearly aligning with everything that they want out of a school so much so that they're going to marry it right they're going to commit themselves to it and <laughs> forego their other process so that that is a big 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 commitment and certainly i think that has to be the precursor of a student engaging themselves in that process the advantages at claremont mckenna for early decision you know in, in many ways they're they're unintentional advantage one is the class is a blank slate when we begin reviewing early decision one so it's the first chapter one and we have not built the class yet and so every round after early decision one a portion of the class has come together and so we are making decisions based on you know our class as it looks at that point so that that's in its own way it's an advantage whether we want it to be that or not it's that phase of the process for us too we're, we, don't, we do not receive as many early decision applications. We're not reviewing them in as tight a time frame as we are in regular decision as we move through the process. So it, it, you know, we are, there's this illusion we have more time. I'm not sure that's really true, but we have that, that bandwidth of time <laughs> to spend with them. And it's just the beginning of the process, so we are fresh. So again, it's one of those things where we don't design it that way, but that, that is a reality. So applicants in many ways have the best shot in that first stage of early, one, early decision one. And I tell applicants that if they were not offered admission in early decision one, they may feel confident they would not have been offered admission in the future rounds. That one is really, you know, most, in all my years at CMC, I would say most 
students' decisions would be the same across the three rounds because the selectivity is still there and we're you know, being cautious and making sure we're saving spaces in each round. But for students, if you know, again, you align with CMC and that's where you want to be, it's a great option. If you're concerned about cost, you can reach out to our financial aid office and talk about that and you know, figure out whether or not that's financially a feasible option for you. So those are those are the the advantages. And we know clearly you're stating that you you know that we are your top choice. So that always feels great to have that in an, in an applicant. Well, thank you so much for sharing the advantages and the overview. And of course, reaching out to the financial aid office is always something that's very helpful. By the way, I will include the Office of Admissions to Claremont McKenna. Jennifer, if there's anything else that you want me to include in the podcast show notes, just provide it to me. And of course, we'll make it available to the students and their parents. Jennifer, I know that Claremont McKenna College is test optional. Can you share the percentage of students that apply and that are ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores? Sure, so this is using fall 2021 data, because as I mentioned, we have to verify and vet and get approval for our this class's data, which is not yet final. So for the class of that entered in 2021, so the CMC class of 2025, we had 47% of our applicant pool submitted test scores, and of the students who were admitted, 45% had submitted test scores. And of the students who committed, 55% had submitted test scores. That captures a moment in time. We'll see where the future goes with test taking. Sure. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And does Claremont McKenna accept AP, IB, or dual enrollment classes for credit? We accept advanced placement and international baccalaureate courses. And it's limited. So at Claremont McKenna, it's capped at a, a maximum of four college, the equivalent of college credits that student could get for certain scores within the AP or IB exams. And it's in most cases, the academic departments at Claremont McKenna do not accept it as college credit. There will be some exceptions and some will accept it as placement into a higher class so that it's good to take those tests and have them and, and see how they work and play out. Dual credit is, is trickier if the student received college or high school credit for the course that they take, which is usually what dual enrollment means, then they cannot use that course towards college credit at Claremont McKenna. So if they take a college course completely on their own and it had no affiliation with their high school, then that, could, that would be eligible for transfer as a college course. Well, we appreciate that distinction. Thank you so much. And you mentioned it earlier, and I appreciate you talking about the importance of listing courses in progress in senior year, as some transcripts may not include that. So my question, Jennifer, is how important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year, and what are you looking for when reviewing them? Yes, they're important. They're the final chapter of your high school experience. So <laughs> as we're looking at your high school transcript, in many cases, all early decision one cases, we will not see the, your fall final grades, right? If your high school does in fact give semester final grades. But we'll see what you're enrolled in. And we'll be curious to see that you're performing, we'll, continue to monitor to check your performance when we do get that mid-year report. So 
it is important for us to know that you're persisting with the rigor, that you're continuing to intellectually condition yourself to be ready to transition to Claremont McKenna. So we do want to see that a student is continuing to, to challenge themselves and hopefully enjoy that process as well. So <laughs> that would be important. Performance, we will start to receive those mid-year reports usually by early February, we've received them all. So it's a portion of the applicant pool that we see it all in one fell swoop, right? All the, the courses they took, the grades that, that they received. And, you know, for, for different applicants, what we're looking for could be different. If a student had a rough academic start or at some point in their high school experience, experienced a rough patch, they have time to recover depending on when that happened. And that fall senior year could be a really brilliant point of recovery that they have they've learned the lesson they've moved through those challenges that were making that academic balance more difficult and so there are times when we're waiting for that those senior year grades to convince the admission committee yes they have absolutely earned a space here they everything that they've accomplished at this point this is you know the the ultimate product of that for many of our applicants, it is seen, again, that they are maintaining that. So if we see a dip for students, it's important for you to reach out. If you do know that you're going, whether you've been admitted or you're an applicant, so if you've been admitted early decision or early action or you're you know, at another institution that is you're in the applicant pool, if you know the grade's going to be disappointing, just reach out to us, to your admission regional officer, and explain you know, just a couple sentences what happened so that we have that information. Otherwise, the minute the admission committee sees it, it shows a drop. And many of your peers are not going to have a drop. So we want to be in a position to still advocate for you and understand what, what happened. Well, that's great insight. And so if there is a drop, students, it is important to give some insight in terms of what happened so that the admissions representatives can continue to advocate for your acceptance. So we appreciate that, Jennifer. And of course, the college essay is another piece of the overall application. What are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? And when you read them, you thought, this student has to come to Claremont McKenna. Sure. So the college essay, I always smile because I believe this invokes some of the most anxiety because it's open-ended. You, Your transcript, recommendation, listing your address, that type of stuff just is, right? You're going in, this grades, they're mostly in the review mirror. And now you have this one thing that you're looking at, that you want to make sure you represent your best self. You're not sure exactly what they're looking for. So I, I understand, I want to frame it by understanding the anxiety that this particular piece can, can provoke. So what I tell students is, in, our, in Claremont McKenna's holistic process, we're reading a lot of things about you that other people to a certain degree have contributed to, whether it's your teachers, a recommendation letter from somebody else, you know, and awards you've received. So these are, this is in many ways your community reflecting back a lot of who you are and your accomplishments. The essay, not just, you know, certainly a student earned all that, but the essay is where you are completely in the driver's seat and you want to look at the application and think about what you believe it's going to cover very well about who you are and what your potential is. And you want to find a space for you to enter a perspective about yourself that may not be there. And an example that I use is we had a, an applicant who was an extraordinary overachiever. Shocker, right? <laughs> and she was an exceptional... <laughs> 
what we call academician, academic. She was an exceptional soccer player. Seemed like everything she was involved in, she just hit the very top of, of the, the, the pecking order and did extremely well. And this came out throughout her application, just awards she received, distinctions, you know, everybody who spoke about her. But her essay was actually about her epic failure in building a cupcake. And it really was a very humbling and uh, humorous essay to read where it was clever. She understood there was a part about herself where she had failed miserably. And she just, she, she ends it with, she never got it right, but it was edible. And, you know, this, this way of going through and <laughs> about how she had worked worked and she laughed and she made a mess and then it frustrated her and it, it was eye-opening to her because as much as she had coached students along and academics been a tutor she helped young kids learn, learn soccer she had forgotten what it felt like to have to work really really hard at something <laughs> and it was eye-opening <laughs> to her to have that moment <laughs> and it really did right. kind of reframe perspective and so that was a that was a very well done essay that really she took us on a journey that we wouldn't have seen another one of my favorites was a young lady who wrote about how her in in her household there was this attic that had relics of the women who had come before her great-grandparent you know great-grandmother grandmother her mother and that when she was a little girl she'd go up there and try on these dresses and you know go through these these items and she was getting to this point where she realized she was going to be imparting something here and what she hoped that she would impart in her family and those that would come after her. So that was another really, really great one. And um, my third favorite was one about the Mexican matriarch. A <laughs> 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 young lady spoke about how, uh, well, she understood we lived in a patriarchal society. She knew nothing of that because every, every strong person in her life had always been female. And she spoke about her Mexican culture and, and, and how that played in. So those three were written Fantastic. over a decade ago. <laughs> and I still remember them. <laughs> and you still remember. Well, this just goes to show the impact that an essay can have and how you really need to take the time, students, to let your personality show. The activity sheet, the transcript, it shows what you've been involved with. It, it shows your courses, the rigor, your grades. But that essay, really, it's your uh, one opportunity to let your personality shine. So we appreciate those examples, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Yes. And of course, the teacher letters of recommendation are obviously another part of the application. What are you looking for in terms of helping to enhance the overall application from the teacher's letters? Yes, I describe the teacher recommendations, counselor recommendations, recommendations from anyone a student may ask. It's the nexus between the academic and personal self, right? So transcripts, are an assess- they're in a form of an assessment, right? A student has been in a class, there have been exams, group projects, research activities, and they're getting assessed on this, and the grade certainly represents that. But who the student is in that learning process and how they've grown and how they engaged may not best be represented in that, in that grade. And there may be a lot many other stories to tell. So who the student is in that academic space that the teacher may know, who they've come to be, how they've grown, and many times teachers are in a position to speak to the student beyond that, especially if they've had them over several years, which is not always the case, and that's fine if not. But the teacher may also see them in other spaces within the community, depending on, on the, the, the school. So 
where for us, the information that is most valuable is similar to the essay, take a step back what isn't already obvious of the student. And their academic aptitude many times is aptly captured in their transcript. But the teacher taking the time to explain or, you know, okay, so in the course of the class, the student really struggled with this aspect and this is where really how they engaged with it. They came in, met with me, made sure they understood the material, or maybe it was the other way. The student was always way ahead of the material and so they sought out different opportunities to other outlets to learn this information. And they also were instrumental in their peers understanding that space and being patient and creating a space where everyone had the opportunity to step in and grow into themselves. So what I, with teachers, especially at a place like Claremont McKenna, they're going to be stepping into an intimate learning space. And they're going to be stepping into where their faculty are going to be expecting them to be fully engaged in that learning process, what I call social learning. And so while I realize not every student, depending on the high school size, may have the opportunity to fully engage with their instructors, we're looking for any morsel that shares a bit more about who that student has the potential to be in that, in that intimate learning space. There's the counselor recommendation, which of course frames the applicant, I think, in the context of the high school, and information that sometimes we don't always glean from the application. Like sometimes a student couldn't take a particular course because it didn't fit. Student may not have mentioned that. The counselor will share that type of information with us. And they tend to have a better sense of the student's growth throughout the time at high school because they have many times been working with them and have a sense of how they've guided their college search. And so they definitely add rich perspective there as well. Well, I think that's another great answer and the theme of talking about what isn't already obvious in other parts of the application. Again, whether it's the student essay, a teacher letter of recommendation, or as you mentioned, the guidance counselor's letter, you know, sticking to the, to the theme of what isn't already obvious in other parts is extremely important to enhance the overall application. So that's tremendous advice. Thank you so much. And in conclusion, Jennifer, what are your top three pieces of advice that you would offer students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process. Okay, so for number one is to the student. This is your process and own it. Let, your, <laughs> let, your, <laughs> let yourself be surprised. Challenge yourself. Maybe you arrived here thinking you wanted to go to a large research university. Maybe you arrived here thinking you wanted to be completely across the country, maybe in, in a different in a different country, period, but challenge yourself. When you are in visiting a college or talking to somebody who maybe attended that school and there's something about what you're experiencing that excites you, remember it, write it down, and challenge yourself to, to find that and seek that out in other places because that's important. The only way we really, we know how our body and our mind, it speaks to us when we have hit a space that, that uh, one of our applicants, uh, she coined the phrase, do what excites. <laughs> and we use that many times, right? Do what excites. What excites you? And when you're going through the college process, think about that. Like, what is exciting you about this process? What's exciting you about the places? And stay true to that. And this is def this is this is your process. So that's number one. Two is to parents, and this links to that. This is, as parents, we have the best interest of our children at heart. Everybody understands that. And this is a process where it really does, it tinkers between really giving them that own 
that that opportunity to have this exploration, but also being there to ask important questions, especially for some parents, there may be, you know, like we talk about financial fit, like that may be a conversation that has to happen on the earlier earlier phases of that, of what can the family really afford and what are going to be important factors. Those are important conversations definitely to engage in on the early end. For some parents, leaving state is not an option. They're not going to let their, their child do that. Parents, those are important things to sit down with your child and have that thoughtful conversation before they start meandering down the college search process. If you really want them to explore everywhere, then then that's fine and that's clear, but, but be clear about that as well. This is not about you and the bumper sticker or sweatshirt or letter that you're going to get to brag to your friends about. This will go so much deeper and so much further than that one moment. They will get into college. They will have something to celebrate. And you will be, you will find it so remarkable at the end of the four years their college experience has you, how you may not even remember where else they applied. And if you do, you just remember it because it, this was so clearly uh, the place that, that they were going to grow into who they're supposed to be. So trust it. This is, I always tell parents, don't share information with where your child's applying. You don't owe anyone that. That is your information. If as confidential as you two want to keep it, you and your son or daughter or child, do it. Um, because you want to make sure you've created this private space for you to experience those decisions in that private space without people asking, did you get in? Um, so that's always advice I give people because it, it really is just your, your space and process to own and you will move past it. You'll move through it and you'll get to their side and you'll find a great place that'll welcome you and commute and get you to where, to your potential. So I would say those two things. And then the third thing would be have fun in this process. There are going to be few <laughs> other times in your life <laughs> where you are starting a journey that is just going to have so much open opportunity and where you really can, in many ways, you are in the driver's seat of a lot of what that experience is going to entail. And as we move on in life, there's many other things that we will be responsible for. And it doesn't mean there aren't lots of opportunities ahead of us, but it is just one of those times in your life that is should be full of hope, should be full of excitement and eagerness about what the future holds for you. And enjoy that space. Enjoy that space as much as you possibly can because, again, it, it'll inform how you make other decisions as you move through life and it you won't get those moments back and you won't get that space in your time back. Well, Jennifer, those are tremendous pieces of advice. I am so happy because I know that this conversation is going to help so many students and their parents. It was awesome hearing about Claremont McKenna. Thank you again for your time, your insight. We truly appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. It was our pleasure and I hope to have you again. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, 
trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep, whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.